And that leads to hatred and a desire to murder again. David. David was a man after God's own heart. He probably had his family together, right? One of David's sons rapes his half-sister. And his other son is looking like, Dad, what are you going to do about it? He just raped my sister. And what does David do? Nothing. So what does Absalom do? He kills him. I can empathize. Right? And then, so David puts Absalom in exile. Absalom goes away for years and he stews in his bitterness over, really the thing he's stewing over is not over his exile, but over his dad's inactivity and unwillingness to step in and do something here. So he stews and he stews and he stews and years later, he comes back and he ends up stealing the kingdom from his father. And it's crazy to think of how much, how much pain, how many people died, how much like, how much bad stuff happened because this father and son weren't reconciled. And I can keep going. There's more and more messed up stuff that happened in Scripture in families. And Malachi four five. Malachi was a prophet. He was one of the, the later prophets, and he says. Uh, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else he'll come and strike the land with total destruction. And the kingdom of God, which is, which is like the reality that we live in now, right? Jesus comes and he ushers in a new kingdom happening on this earth. And we know when he did this initially, like everybody, when he talked about a kingdom, they all thought he was going to like restore some political kingdom and overthrow the Romans and all of this. And he didn't. Instead, he establishes a different kind of kingdom that's taking place. And in this kingdom, what's supposed to happen is, is really the reversal of everything that went wrong at the fall. So God creates this beautiful earth, this beautiful garden, this beautiful family. He puts the thing in place. We break it and we screw it up. And the kingdom is all about the reversal and the redemption and the reconciliation of those things back to the way that he intended them to be. And it says, you know, it says, I will send the prophet Elijah. A lot of times they talk about like John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord. And it's almost like the first thing Jesus wants to do in bringing his kingdom is turning the hearts of parents to their children and children to their parents. Family is so powerful. It is so powerful. For all of us in this room, so much of the way we view the world, so much of the way we understand relationships and marriage and love and work came from the family that we grew up in. And for some of us, that was a huge blessing. I'll, I'll say I grew up in an amazing family. Okay? Broken? Absolutely. But... I had two parents who loved me, who believed in me, who loved Jesus and taught me to like, love him. They believed in me. I grew up with this sense of identity and belief in myself. And to this very day, I know that my dad would rather spend time with me and my sister than do anything else in the world. I've known that my whole life. I didn't realize that that was weird until I went to grad school. Okay, I went to grad school to be, uh, I got a master's in counseling. And um, I remember walking out one day and being like, wow, these people are all messed up. <laughs> and then I actually realized, like, wow, 
The world and family is so broken. And I, so many times where I'd sit in these counseling classes and you're also talking about, oh, you're on junk when you're in these counseling classes. And I would come out and I would literally walk into the parking lot and call my dad and be like, thank you. And what I realized is both my wife and I grew up in really loving and incredible families and it created this foundation for us where we both believe in ourselves. And we are like resilient people and we love each other and we love the Lord and we believe for good things. And like, there's, there's so much of the way we understand and view the world that came from our family, and that's true for all of us. The unfortunate thing is that for, for many of us, the example that was set was not a good one. And we didn't always feel loved, we didn't always feel believed, and we didn't always feel valued or validated or wanted. And it started to shape this, this lens in us of the way we viewed ourselves and the way we viewed the world. So God creates this amazing and this powerful thing called family. And we screwed it up. But the good news is that he is a redeemer. <clears throat> He's a restorer. I love, okay, I don't want to get like too crazy on this, but um, do you guys know that like we don't actually spend an eternity in heaven? Before I freak everybody out, read the book of Revelation, okay? Um, we spend an eternity with Jesus, but what he does is he actually restores the earth and we spend eternity on a new earth with him. Because the way that our Lord works is he doesn't just like scrap it all and throw it in the garbage and start over. Right? He did that once with the flood. And what did he say after he did it? Never again. Now, did we become less evil after the flood? So he knew the same stuff was going to come back, but he says, all right, never again. But what I'm going to do is redeem and restore broken things. And sometimes what we want to do with our broken family is we want to like scrap it and throw it to the side and like find a new one. You know? And it's like, alright, so like you guys have an amazing community here, right? There's some amazing adults, there's some amazing like elders in this community. It's like, you know what? I found some new family. Screw my old family. They're broken and messed up. They hurt me. They neglected me. I don't want anything to do with them anymore. That's not the kingdom. That, that's absolutely the way the world thinks. We don't want to think like the world anymore. God has called us to a ministry of reconciliation. I am like hooked on this term reconciliation lately. I cannot get away from it and it is finding me everywhere I go. Um, so I'm just going to go with it because I think God's doing something here. In 2 Corinthians 5... He says, now, or, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. 
I believe God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, uh, both of reconciling people to God, but also reconciling people to each other. And once again, I really think this needs to start with our family. And I'll tell you, your family's probably going to be the hardest place to do it. And I'll just encourage you to start there. Um, my wife and I, we live kind of a crazy life. Uh, so for the last, I think it's like nine years, uh, we have been involved in a discipleship school that has some similarity to what you guys do here, especially DNA-wise. And we also do like the whole residential living thing. So my wife and I have had at least six to sometimes eight to ten young women living with us and our three kids. And everybody thinks we're normal. Uh, especially our neighbors. We live in a tight neighborhood where nobody else has it. And they, you know, for a while they were like, are you a cult, a brothel? What's happening? Um, but we lived there long enough that people like us and we're good. Um, and they, they've seen that it's a good thing. And I've had this conversation with so many people because it is more the rule than the exception that people have incredibly broken families with lots of pain attached to it. Um, just so you're not alone, how many of you guys in here, like, your family is more a source of pain than blessing in your life? How many of you guys, is that true for you? All right, we've got a few in here. How many of you guys have no pain with your family? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Because um, then you'll be on some pretty intense painkillers. Um, <laughs> I was having a, Ben and I, uh, Ben and I do a lot of ministry together, and uh, I love it, I love working with Ben, and we were having a conversation with somebody about uh, their journey. Uh, this girl lived in my house for like eight months. Uh, she had been in a program where Ben was heavily involved in discipling her, and we were just talking about areas that she wanted to grow in, and we got the distinct privilege to spend time with her and her family together. Now I'll tell you, sometimes people describe their families and you expect to meet their parents and have like the three-headed sea monster, you know? Yeah. Then you meet them and you're like, is this your other family? Like, I don't... <laughs> and, uh, no, this my mom's terrible. I was like, man, I kind of like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we were talking about here. And, you know, I can usually see through people's bullcrap, so like, you only put on a show with me for so long, and then, you know, start to see it, especially in high-stress situations. And we went through some stressful stuff, and I was like, I actually like these people, and I could hang out with her dad, you know? Uh, and so we start walking through some stuff, and we start talking with her, and and she was going to be going home for a while. And uh, we were like, hey, this is a great opportunity to work on your relationship with your parents. It's like, no, I have this other stuff that I need to work on right now. It's like, if you work on this stuff with your parents, the other stuff will be taken care of. Family is like a foundation. I don't think it's irony either that uh, like God loves family so much that he used family as the analogy to talk about his church. Like the thing that was most important to him is people. And I see like God wants the redemption and the restoration and the reconciliation of family so much. Because, one, it will glorify him. Two, it's going to bring so much healing to his people. And then three, it creates new and stronger foundations that you can build on top of. And, like, I know in a room this size, there is no way that there aren't people in here who have not been physically, sexually, emotionally abused by family members. 
So like, I want to acknowledge for a minute, like, the pain is real. And the damage is real. And for some of you, especially if there were some really abusive situations, there might be some wisdom that you need to walk in and how you go about some of this reconciliation. And I would encourage you, like, grab some of the older, wiser people around here and, like, process with them as you go about that. Don't just be like, great, I'm just going to move back in my home and go all in. Like, that might be a really bad plan. But no matter how bad things have been, I guarantee you that reconciliation is still at the heart of God for you and your family. It will change things. Um, how many of you guys have ever like tried to work through some past stuff with your parents and had it not go very well? <laughs> yeah, I remember my first run at this. Um, so I told you I had a great family, but we had some stuff, you know. And the first time that I took a run at like giving feedback to my family and trying to address what I considered a like significant like cultural issue within my family, it did not go well. And I was so optimistic, like, I thought this was going to go great, you know? And I thought the best way to do this is probably through an email. <laughs> I was 19, so, okay. Um, and it was bad. It was real bad. I got, I got some real angry responses, and I got some, like, Screw you, you're unappreciative, this, that, and everything. And uh, I was just like, okay, I guess we just don't talk about things in my family. Um, and so I stopped trying for it. And I realized later, um, part of what I did is I approached that conversation like a child. And with the exception of one, he's definitely a child, um, you're still a child. You, you get you get a child pass on this one, okay? Um, the rest of you are, are are not children anymore. And you know, there's this passage in scripture. It's in First Corinthians 13. Uh, Paul says, "When I was a child, I talked like a thought child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me." So a lot of times our first run at trying to reconcile with our parents looks a lot like this. You did this when I was growing up and you screwed this up and it hurt me. <laughs> okay, not many people do well when someone just comes at them like that. You know, Have you ever had somebody just come at you and tell you all the ways you failed at something? It's really fun, right? And our initial response is to defend. Right? I'm going to share a little secret with you. Everybody is insecure. To some extent, everybody is insecure. And I will also say this universally, to some extent, everybody fears rejection. And the unfortunate thing is, uh, when Ben and I were having this conversation with, with said girl, uh, she's like, well, there was this one time where I did have this conversation. I talked about how things weren't the way I wanted them to be, and I wanted them to be different. And they didn't change. So I don't see what the point is of trying to get it. And I was like, okay. First off, like, how many of you guys have ever learned a lesson completely the first time? 
Or you've only had to be given feedback on something once and then you like never did it again. Right? There's like a couple of things in my life where that's the case. And the rest of them, it's like, oh man, I'm getting this feedback again. Right? Or like, oh crap, this is still an issue. Um, and I'm like, okay, so one time you went to your parents and said like, basically you suck as parents. And they didn't become magically amazing parents at that point, so you're done? It's like, okay. That's how children go about doing things. These are my needs, this is what I want, you didn't give me what I want, so therefore I am upset. That is how children think, that is how children talk, that is how children act. You guys are now kingdom people, you are adults. And kingdom people think very differently. There's this, there's this unfortunate thing that happens that a lot of people feel like they were in some way rejected or unseen by their parents. Maybe they weren't validated, maybe they weren't as good, as, maybe you weren't as good as your siblings, maybe you weren't as this, maybe you weren't that. Uh, they didn't understand you, they didn't value the things that you valued. Like, and, and to some extent, like, as kids, we kind of have this question of like, am I important, am I significant, am I loved in this place? And a lot of times, like, we're looking for people to give us a reason to answer no to that question. And when we feel rejected or devalued by people, we then turn around and reject them, primarily out of protection so we don't get rejected again. Right? And this is, this is an, an ugly thing that happens time and time again. I'll tell you, I was going to give you a warning. This is your warning. For... We're going to do a song in just a minute here to illustrate some of this. Uh, and a lot of you guys have pushed your parents away because your parents have been a place of pain. And I think that breaks the heart of God. I know it breaks the heart of your parents, even if they don't have the ability to say it. I've become thoroughly convinced of the fact that Almost every single parent loves their children and was actually trying to do what they thought was best for them. In the midst of their own brokenness, people don't have kids so they can screw up. All right? There are very few incredibly evil people out there in the world that where that might be the case, but it is a very, very rare exception. But we got hurt, we got rejected. And now we kind of reject them back, and it ends up in this ugly cycle. And once again, this is not how things work in the kingdom. Right? It says, we bless those who curse us. Regardless of how people act towards us, we choose blessing, we choose grace, we choose love. In Ephesians 6, it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Now that's what you do when you're children. When you become adults, your relationship with your parents changes. It's no longer about obedience and about your parents telling you what to do. Now there comes what I think is actually a higher calling than obedience. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Okay, what's the word honor mean to you guys? When you're honor, when, what does it mean to honor somebody? Not speaking badly about them. Okay, not speaking badly about them. What else? Not 
Dying to your preferences. Okay, dying to your preferences. Good. What else? Treat justly regardless of your feelings. Okay, treat justly regardless of your feelings. Yeah. What else? Respect. Respect. Yeah. Doing it when you don't want to. Doing it when you don't want to. Yeah. It's one of those scriptures says like, if you love those who love you, like what good is that? Even the pagans do that. Nothing special about that. You know? If you guys have this beautiful community here of people who all like love each other and are kind to each other, and that's all you do is love each other, like, good job. <laughs> you know? Where, where love is proven is when you like sacrifice and when you love people who don't love you and when you bless people who curse you and when you choose to bless people who've hurt you and wounded you and you choose to put yourself in the ring again. I'll tell you, it says, this is the first command with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Let me tell you, it's really good when you're reconciled with your family. How many of you guys have gone through, like, you had a hard relationship with your parents, you worked through some stuff, and then things were good? How many of you guys have, like, gone through that process before? Man, how good is that? Man, tell, tell me, like, what did it change for you? Some of you people who are, like, giving me a thumbs up or a head nod or whatever. What, what changed when you got reconciled with your parents? Uh, definitely, like, the relationship between me and my dad. And just, like, um, like me realizing what he did for me. Like how he sees me. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not shit from like what Okay, good. What else? Anxiety. Just like, away. Like a person. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I'd say I begin to like actually desire to build family now. Like, actually, <laughs> I, now I had a heart for marriage and family. Yeah. After the reconciliation. Yeah. I had a, I had somebody that I, I worked with for a while, and um, when I work with people at Adventures and Missions, like we'll have like one-on-one -on -one meetings, and I'm like their boss, and we'll spend like 45 minutes talking about their life, and then 15 minutes talking about their job. It's just kind of the way I work. Um, and whenever I have like new people start working with me, they're like, "Aren't we supposed to be talking about my job right now?" I'm like, "No, we'll get there. This impaction job." Um, and when she first started meeting with me, um, she had significant angst with her parents. And she even said to me at one point, she goes, I just don't understand how two can be better than one. Like there was such significant brokenness in her family. She like, she couldn't like wrap her mind around the fact that it's better to be united with somebody else than to do life alone. And over a series of years, there was actually reconciliation between her and her parents. And then she got married and it was great. And then she had a kid and I recently saw a picture of her with her kid and like the biggest smile on her face and like my heart was so happy. And if that's me, I can't imagine what it does to the heart of the father when those things take place. And you know, a lot of you guys are young and single and that's awesome. And someday you're probably gonna be not as young and not as single. Um, and I will tell you that if you fix the stuff with your parents, your marriage is going to benefit. I will bet my Bitcoin on that one, okay? Um, like, it changes stuff. And it changes the kingdom. And it's going to start to create a, a healthy foundation 
for the life God has called you to and the ministry that he's called you to. I want to talk about some dynamics that take place in relationship as you get older because a lot of times we don't we don't talk about how to shift from being like a child child to an adult child of your parents. And people unfortunately don't talk to parents all that much about how to go from parenting children to parenting adults. Um, so I'm going to play a song that I love and hate at the same time. Um, and then we'll have a little conversation. So go ahead. A child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for a new it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you
that actually caught me off guard. Um, I don't get emotional right after. And I did right there. Um, you know, this thing happens where when we're, when we're kids, we're like fighting for our parents' time. You know? Especially when we're young. And then uh, sometimes by the time we're teenagers, we didn't get it, we kind of stopped trying for it, you know? And then maybe when you're teenagers, your parents try to start hanging out with you and you're kind of like, eh. Nah. I watched this happen a lot, I, I, I hated it too, because junior hires are so awkward. <laughs> and like, no one knows what to do with them, right? Like, you'll find very few people out there who are like, you know what I want to be? A junior high youth pastor. <laughs> and, you know, praise Jesus. <laughs> uh, be a lot of job positions available too. Um, <laughs> but like even a lot of parents, they don't know what to do with their kids when they're junior hires. They're going through puberty, they're awkward, they're all this stuff, they're insecure as heck, you know? Um, and they're going through like identity moratorium where they're trying to figure out like, am I a skater, am I grunge, am I a preppy, like all this stuff. At least that was when, at my age, those terms might not mean anything to you guys anymore. Um, but you, you go through all this stuff and parents kind of like, eh, and everybody's kind of like, eh. And then we're like, oh, you're a teenager, you're starting to get cool, and like people want to hang out with you. It's like, you know, you don't want me back there, screw you, I'm done. Right? Um, and a lot of you guys don't realize this, like a, a shift has taken place where for a lot of you, your parents might want your time more than you want your parents' time. Uh, how many of you guys have ever had your parents say something like, hey, I'd really love to talk to you more? Like, I'd love to hear from you more often. And how many of you guys have ever thought this? Hey, you know, my phone rings too. <laughs> right? Because, like, my dad would say this to me. My dad was like, hey, like, I'd love to talk to you more. Like, I'd love to FaceTime with you and the kids. And I'm thinking, like, cool. Why don't you call sometime? Right? And at first, I kind of had, like, this thing where I was in my mind being a punk. and like, hey, you can call me too. And I'm like, you know what? Our parents don't know if we want them in our lives. And that makes them feel incredibly insecure. And I know this because I've talked to a lot of parents. And they so desperately want to be involved in their kids' lives, but they just, they feel rejection. Yes, your parents fear being rejected by you. It's hard for, it's hard for you guys to get to that. My, my kids are only like three, five, and seven years old. But I can't imagine to invest 18 years in a kid's life, and then to have them not want me anymore? I can't actually think of a deeper pain that I could go through at this point, besides one of them dying. You now hold the power in the relationship. Your parents held it for a long time. And now you do. And if you see that there's some areas for reconciliation, you see that there's some areas for growth, I'm going to tell you, I am going to put the responsibility on you to go after it. <clears throat> or you could just sit and hope that your parents are going to change and come to you and apologize and change things at some point. That's a wonderfully victim way to live your life. And it's probably not going to work out that well. Why? Because also sometimes when you're the one who screwed up, you don't want to go to somebody and be like, man, I really screwed that up. And I know that really hurts you. But to go to your parents and say like, hey, 
I want us to have a better relationship. What does it look like for you to take the step towards love, for you to take the step towards reconciliation and not wait for them to do it? Sometimes you gotta realize like, um, they're broken and hurting people too. And imagine you, if you're in a broken and hurting place now, or maybe if you were in the past, trying to also figure out how to like raise a child at the same time. I'll tell you, this might sound arrogant, it's just kind of true. I'm a pretty dang competent person. I am good at most things that I do. Nothing has made me feel as incompetent as parenting. <laughs> and then especially, sorry ladies, nothing makes me feel as incompetent as trying to figure out how to deal with my daughter's emotions. I'm like, my son, I was able to figure out. My daughter's I was like, I do not know what to do with that. Um, and I'm like, you are losing your mind and I don't know what to do. And I've figured out that telling you to stop crying doesn't work. Um, or telling you to calm down or explaining that you're not being rational. Um, so like, there's all these things, like, and, and I'm a relatively healthy, well-adjusted person, right? And there are times where I am like losing my mind and I don't know what to do. And I'll tell you, you get the chance to actually start to choose some empathy and realize like, you need to step away from your own pain. The thing about pain that's problematic sometimes is like, pain feels so real and when you focus on pain, it's like right here, you cannot see anything else. And this is something where like, maybe there's some mentors and like praying with the Lord through this, like, and saying like, God, I need you to like, at least remove the pain a little so I can see something besides myself and my pain. Because I'm telling you, if you come into this with your parents and you're like, I have all this pain and it's your fault and me, 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 and like you need to do this for me, it's not going to go well. And that's, even, that's not how the Lord has called us to live as believers, right? Read Philippians 2. Philippians 2, it's like, have the same attitude of Christ, considered himself nothing, took the nature of a servant. Then it says, you know... Look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Consider other people more important than yourselves. Follow the example of Christ with your parents. What does it look like for you to be Jesus with your parents? And yeah, there might be some hard conversations in there of like, yes, this did happen and it hurt, but how do we together make this relationship better? Not here's what you need to change to make our relationship better. Does that make sense, the difference in those two? And so often, especially with parents, we just approach it with like, this is all the stuff you did wrong and this is what I need you to do different. One, it's probably not gonna work, and two, that's not the way the kingdom works. So, if you can't get yourself mentally to empathy, pray for empathy. Empathy will change things. When you realize like, man, my parents really screwed me up when they did that, but I can see why they did it. I can see, I mean, there's been some hard things, and, and I'll trust you guys with this, I want, I want to always honor my parents, like, there are, I would love to have really open and vulnerable conversations with my dad and to have that reciprocated. I also realized my dad's never had that in his life. My dad was raised by a hard, hard man. 
And he was taught all those things were weakness. And I realized my dad is actually a tender person who doesn't know how to be tender because he was taught that like that would be used against him, right? And so um, I could sit here all day and be like, I just wish I had this relationship with my dad. And uh, as I've been thinking about some of this lately, I was just up in Pennsylvania like a week and a half ago, and I was like, whatever, I'll just go ahead and be vulnerable with my dad, even if he's not back. Why? Because we do have the ability to impact our environment and our relationships. We have the ability to change relationships, even if the other person isn't necessarily going to like initiate that change, and even if it takes time. And this is these are changes I've been working on for a while, 38 years old, you know? Um, and some of this has been very much a work in progress, but it is so worth it. Choose empathy, choose grace, choose gratitude. This is something I've done with my parents a lot lately. I'll tell you something else. Almost all your parents wonder what they did to screw you up. Not that they think you're screwed up, but right? Like parents always have this thing of like, where did I blow it big? And, uh, so I just started, every time I think of things that my parents did well, I'll call them and tell them. You know, if you can't think of anything, like you're alive and somehow they fed you. All right, start there. <laughs> right, like, hey, thanks. I actually, and some of you guys might have grew up in really hard environments or really poor environments. Like, man, you know, everything else, you busted your butt just to put food on the table. You don't have to say like, but you were never there. It's like, <laughs> Thanks for working so hard so we could actually vote. <laughs> when you choose gratitude, it, it changes things and it shifts things in the relationship. Um, and it also shifts things in your mind when you start to change what you're focusing on to what you didn't get instead of looking at what you did. And start to ask questions of like, oh, what did maybe my parents do to love me that I didn't see and understand? Because I was just looking for like this one way to be loved. We need to stop thinking like the world. The world thinks things like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, right? It's like, wait, no, no, no. I've been vulnerable with my parents before and it got me burned, I'm not going there again. Or, I've tried this, I've tried that. Instead, the kingdom thinks like, you forgive 70 times seven. You bless those who curse you, you die to yourself. You love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. You always choose love. Um, I want to say, like, there's there's some of you guys who it might be the case where you you might not have parents. Some of you guys might not know, like, for instance, your father or your mother or both. Uh, you might have lost parents somewhere along the way, um, and. That does not mean that you are without hope. Um, God does an amazing job of bringing people into your life who can be like redemptive family figures. If you have access to your parents, I'm not letting you off the hook, okay? Um, but if you don't, like there is, there is so much opportunity and like if you're, if you're part of this community, there's, there's amazing men and women of God here. Like if you're semester's people, is this the semester's group kind of Some of you all here. Um, the old people back there. Uh, like, there are probably amazing people in your church community who could step into those spaces with you. So, like, 
you're not orphans, don't think like you're orphans, but I would encourage all of you, like, pray into who are people that God's putting in your life that, um, the best phrase I have for this that I, I love is, like, you can kind of, like, tuck under them, you know? I have, I have this thing, like, I love, I love when people fit, like, right here, you know? And it's like, uh, I've gotten to for seasons step in and be like a father figure for people and it's like they kind of fit like right under here and there's like there's this thing where like emotionally and spiritually you can kind of like tuck under people does that does, does this make sense to you guys have you ever like felt like you tucked under somebody before um might be a little more awkward for some of you like tall dudes um <laughs> just sit in the chair and you can tuck under you know um But like God, God has has family for you too. And sometimes like the experiences you have in a community like this, maybe with some of those redemptive figures, starts to create the groundwork for you to go and actually experience reconciliation with your family. But like they're they're not replacements. Right? I guarantee you that there is still some incredible blessing that comes with your parents, once again, if you can actually access them, that I don't want you to miss on the blessing of. And it's not just about you receiving blessing, like there is an expression of God's kingdom that happens within the family, and when there's redemption within family, that is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and I think it warms the heart of God more than anything. And so I want to encourage you, like, go after it, and even if you're in a spot where you're like, I didn't have a terrible upbringing, I didn't have this, like, what can you do to bless your parents? What can you do to honor your parents? When I think about honor, like, that's, it's such a tough word because we don't, like, use it in culturally. We don't have things that make sense anymore. Uh, I've, been, I've been listening through the Chronicles of Narnia with my kids right now for the second time. And it's super fun listening to kids. Um, and I think about, like, you know, the way that people would treat, like, kings or Aslan or, like, you know, they're like, oh, you're one of the kings of one, you're like, you're one of the four kings, queens, and Narnia, like, it's like, oh, and they get, like, this special treatment, it's like, you deserve this, and you will be treated like you are incredible. How do you treat your parents like they're incredible, even if they're not? It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they're a really good father and mother. There's not a qualifier. It's actually kind of frustrating that there are not qualifiers on like much of any of the commands God gives in Scripture. It's like love others if if they're loving. It's actually, like I said, it's the opposite. It's like it says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, honor your father and mother. Period. It's gonna go well. So wherever you're at tonight with your parents, I, I want to encourage you guys um, to just sit for a minute and. Uh, and listen to the Lord, think, like, what is the next step that you need to take? To honor, to bless, to reconcile? What's the step that the Lord's calling you to take? And how fast can you take it? Usually the quicker you embrace obedience, the easier it is. Just saying. Um, but, yeah, let's just take a minute and, and pause and listen to the Lord, and then uh, we'll reconcile.
So as I was sitting here uh, praying, I the Lord put on me the principle of sowing and reaping. And uh, this is something he's talked to me about a lot in the past, and he talks about in scripture, is uh, a kingdom principle is uh, you reap what you sow. And we can sow things in, you know, there's obviously some physical realities to that, right? But there are emotional and spiritual and, rela and, and relational elements to that as well. And um, I truly believe that the way that we choose to interact with our parents now actually is sowing seeds for how our kids will interact with us in the future. And so um, if I can appeal to your selfish motivation of hoping someday have a good relationship with your kids, uh, the spirit in which you interact with your parents and, and the way you, you choose to, sh to sow either um, grace or judgment may be something that you reap in your own relationship with your kids in the future. And I know that I'm going to need a lot of grace, so I am trying to sow graciously. Um, I'm going to pray for us in a minute, but I'll say, I think what I'm done is it just like wrapped up, everybody does whatever, you got any like outro. Um, cool. I'm going to hang out for a while. If you're sitting here and you're thinking like, man, that sounds great, but, or this is something that's going to be really hard for me, or I don't know how to get past this thing, um, I'll hang out here till everybody else leaves. Um, ben is with me. Ben, is Ben still here? Okay. Oh, he was Ben. Good dad. He's saying goodnight to his daughter. But he already agreed. Um, we'll hang out. Like I said, this is a journey we've walked with a lot of people. I know we've got some other adults in the room. I know you're all adults, but you know what I'm saying. Some other old people. Um, you know, if you're over 35, you get to be old. Um, and I know Gene would love to talk with people in here. We, are, we actually talked about this before we came down here tonight. Like, don't leave stuck tonight. Like, if you're stuck either spiritually or you can't think of a strategy or there is something in you that you're like, I don't know how to get past this thing. I guarantee you there is somebody in this room who can help you pray through it and move past it tonight. So don't leave without grabbing onto somebody. All right? All right, Father, I thank you for family. God, I know that you know what you're doing and I trust you. I pray that you would help us to honor our fathers and our mothers. And Lord, where there's brokenness, where there's pain, I thank you that you are a redeemer and a restorer. I thank you that we get to walk with you in this ministry of reconciliation. I pray that you give us the boldness and the grace to do it. Really, Father. Amen. Amen.